This is called check back with Mr. Kevin. In the world of psychology, specifically in child psychology, a lot of times it's important to check back in with your counselor or your therapist. In fact, I'll go as far as to say that everyone should take some time to check back in with their therapist. And, and if you don't have one, then try checking back in with yourself. What I mean by that is through writing, meditation, a solo walk, art, detoxing from your phone or social media, spending time for yourself. And I'm not pointing the finger because I doubt many of you did this the past weekend, but just something to think about. Mr. Kevin and I met while I was working for Vice. I've always been fascinated by psychology and the human condition. So when we ended up working together, oftentimes our conversations, even those about work, were based on the psychological aspects of the characters and people I was researching or the people in the office. Sorry, guys. At first, I didn't know about Mr. Kevin's background. He told me that he's worked in children's mental health for almost 11 years in both the Department of Child and Family Services and in private-run facilities, where he would write treatment plans for the kids, run group sessions, and work one-on-one with kids to achieve their therapeutic goals. In that time, he also worked with children who were diagnosed with bipolar disorder, conduct disorder, schizoaffective, autism, Asperger's, and more. And he told me that majority of the children also suffered from abuse, physical, verbal, emotional, and sexual. To me, this was a world untapped, something that I was always curious about and wanted to know more of because I myself wanted to work in the field of psychology or in some type of social work. And so this free access to this knowledge and wisdom was more than I could have ever hoped for. Mr. Kevin, or just Kevin, also majored in psychology at the College of Southern Nevada and the University of Reno. And he's trained in dialectical behavioral therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy. Once I understood that his knowledge stemmed from a space of experience and education, I became even more excited at the opportunity of having someone to speak to on the many topics that fill my mind. If you worked at Vice, chances are you'd have seen Kevin and I in a corner discussing the human condition, or you might have seen us working on a sports pilot using the whiteboard in one of the conference rooms to dissect, and I mean really dissect, the person we were interviewing. Neither of us work for Vice anymore, but our friendship remains intact. And as I found myself navigating my life into recovery from my eating disorder, Kevin has been an understanding ear to me because he gets it. He gets it beyond the way the general population gets it. He and I both believe childhood shapes us into the people that we are today. And so we love understanding people's beginnings the pains and scars and flaws in order to better understand each individual, in order to potentially help and maybe bring them a bit closer to this feeling of healing. For Check Back with Mr. Kevin, we'll be addressing some of the questions both of us ponder, or better yet, he will try to understand and potentially answer my complicated mind. We'll be using stories from the Tell Your Story podcast as launching points and then follow up with the natural course of our conversation. This, of course, as is everything that I've done so far, is flawed and experiment and potentially, well, I'm not even going to go there. We'll just see how it goes. So here it is. Check back with Mr. Kevin. In my sharing my story, on top of building all this stuff, I haven't been doing a real, you know, I don't, God, I'm going to use the word good enough. Oh boy, here <laughs> we go. But I, I haven't been talking about my progress as much and this is a great way for me to stay accountable and if we talk about setting goals um plus i just love speaking with you and i think 
and this is like a selfish thing but um so yeah i usually lead the way with these podcasts so i'm gonna kind of give you free reign here and, and and you can start and and let's just see where it takes us um okay the few that really stood out to me was the one with um your podcast with kareen fox the way her childhood kind of shaped who she wants to become today and who she is today. People would say that, well, you know, she's Jamie Foxx's daughter, so she had a leg up. She had all these benefits. And I don't know. I kind of look at that as a, well, yes and no. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to say that having money is a disadvantage mm-hmm. because obviously in our, in our society, especially in a capitalist society, money plays a huge part. And having money allows you to have certain advantages in that. Mm -hmm. But along with those advantages come disadvantages, comes a lot more scrutiny, especially for her. Being being a daughter of a celebrity who's who's been in the public eye, who everybody knows, who people will judge you based off your father's behavior or films or comedy in her case. There's a lot of disadvantages about that. My father, Gary, there's a lot of people who know him in the fields that he's worked, but there's a lot of people who don't know him. So when I go into, you know, for example, when, when I went into Vice and if I went in there and I said, well, my dad is Gary Lewis, people would be like, well, who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't matter. There, mm-hmm. you know, but if I were to go in there and say my dad is Jamie Foxx or my dad is Brad Pitt, there's an immediate prejudice that's that's put into place. And I don't think people realize that when they think about the kids of celebrities. It's interesting that you bring that up because I just recently spoke at my high school and I started off my conversation by bringing up my first day of school and sitting in the principal's office. I was sitting there with my father who was kind of ch- checking me in and registering me and somebody walked by and goes, oh wow, that's Igor Larionov. He's a, he's a legend. And so it was immediately this idea that I'm not Alianka, mm-hmm. I'm Igor's daughter. Mm-hmm. And I do, I felt that with Corinne when we were speaking that, you know, as I think she and I even said, it's a double-edged sword where so many people would say, oh, boohoo, it's so difficult to be you. Yeah. And and of course, yes, there are advantages to it, 100%. Absolutely. But the other side of it is, is that maybe, you know, that lack of identity for me in particular, which is what I found so interesting about Corinne is that at 23 years old she has this incredible self-awareness and separation from her father whereas i still at 30 am struggling with that (laughs) (laughs) and thinking who am i as a woman without his name and it's just an interesting it's an interesting thing that you bring up especially being the daughter of somebody like jamie fox who's so talented Mm -hmm. who is a musician he's a comedian he's an actor he's He's an entertainer with just multiple ways of entertaining people. And for her to go into a situation and, and you know, people are going to ask, well, you're not, you know, why, why aren't you as funny as your dad? Why aren't you in drama class? Why aren't you playing a piano? Why aren't you doing this? You know, any number of things that Jamie does, they're going to ask her. Same for a, a child of an athlete. Well, do you ice skate? No. Do you play hockey? No. Do you, if you're the son of a football player, are you Tom Brady's kids? Are you going to be a quarterback? That's that's the first question and so I agree with you she's done a, she's done a marvelous job of establishing
establishing who she is, while at the same time not rejecting who her father is. Mm. Because because that's also a big thing pe- people tend to do. If they feel overshadowed, they say, okay, I need to make it for myself. And they will reject parts of their life, such as their father or their mother or their family name or, you know, what whatever they feel is, is overshadowing them. They, they will reject that and then find out later on in life and have to learn to accept it because it is still part of who you are as a person. That's still a part of what made you. I think also that rejection of, for example, for me, it was always lifestyle of I was almost ashamed of my lifestyle because I felt like I didn't earn this. So I don't deserve this. That is his, not mine. Mm-hmm. And also, I didn't want people to to see me as a person who walks into a space as if I arrived in this with this entitlement. And I so I, I completely stripped myself of it. I went the opposite direction just so that no one would ever, 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 ever think or assume that I come from a certain financial background to my detriment for sure because that to me that's in my own personal insecurity right yeah yeah because at the end of the day your parents are your parents your family name is your name and you know you can talk about changing your name you can talk about uh, growing up without parents you can talk about growing up without family history but the things that you went through as a child affect affect who you are today and no matter how far you run, you can't run away from everything, the good and the bad. And after a certain point, you have to confront these things and you you have to you have to accept. Now, that doesn't mean you need to accept all the flaws and just be like, well, this is who I am. You know, I'm just generally fucked up and that's just how it goes. That's not saying like, oh, okay, well, I'm I'm just messed up and that and that that's who I am and there's no changing that. No, you can change behaviors and thought process, mm. but you can't change the things that happened in your past. The longer you spend running away from it and not facing it, the longer you're going to have to work on it eventually if you want to change things in your life. So to me, this is an amazing segue into the episode with Dana Maloney, the cognitive behavioral therapist, because I think a lot of what you're talking about is how do I challenge kind of those distorted thoughts, which is a big part of cognitive behavioral therapy. And and so it's interesting. I can speak from my experience. I can't speak from others, but let's say in my recovery from my eating disorder, if you, if you think back in my first initial days, I was really kind of drowning in my flaws. I really was kind of drowning in this, oh God, like here's all of this coming at me and I can't deal with it. And so in that process of CBT, of of questioning the distorted thoughts, I feel now at a place where I have a little bit more, I don't want to use the word control because that's a dangerous word, but I guess awareness or tools, maybe you can add to that a little bit. I've been trained in CBT. And it's something that I worked with for years. So obviously, anytime that topic comes up, I'm immediately eating it up. I'm, I'm trying to get more information because it's still that field is still so interesting to me. And it is still a passion of mine, even though I, I don't work in it anymore. CBT is important because it, it really shows how thoughts, emotions and behavior are all connected. And it's important to see that connection because once you start to recognize a cycle happening in your life, whether it's positive or negative, then you, especially if it's negative, then you can begin to catch it early and make different changes. And this is something that I used when working with kids. We would have kids that just a bunch of different issues, whether it was 
bipolarism, whether it's uh, schizoaffective, whether it was um, autistic, Asperger's. I mean, there was just, you know, and then there was normally substance abuse involved. There was uh, emotional, physical, sexual abuse involved, just a lot, a lot of issues. And so their emotions normally dictated their behaviors, meaning if they were happy, they usually obeyed the rules. They got all the privileges that they wanted. They they would participate in groups. They would participate in individual therapy. They would work the program that we were working with on a day-to-day basis. They they would set goals. They would play play well with, with everybody else. But if they were feeling shitty, their behavior suffered. What is so great about CBT is that you're not just addressing a behavior, as in you do this good, you do that bad. And you're not telling the kid you're bad for doing that. What you're doing is saying, what what are you thinking about right now? Hmm. When you woke up today, what was the first thought you had? Hmm. And you'd get things like, I miss my mom hmm. or I miss my dad. Okay, how did that make you feel? Well, it, it made me feel sad. Why did it make you feel sad? Well, because I love them. Hmm. Once you establish that and you establish that feeling, okay, so you were feeling sad. Instead of punching your peer, what could you have done instead? Well, maybe I could have asked you to talk. That's right. You could have come to me and said, hey, Mr. Kevin, I'm feeling sad right now. Can we talk about it? Right there, we're addressing the thought and the feeling to help change the behavior. So you're not working backwards from you hit your peer, you're on restriction for two days. No, because obviously we need to learn, especially as children, that you can't just go through life and do whatever it is you want to do. But we're recognizing that there was a a thought and a feeling before an action took place. And the reason why you focus in on those is because, especially as adults, and I'm going to speak from personal experience here, I was diagnosed as, as bipolar in 2002. Once... For myself, I started to recognize the thoughts and feelings that I have when I begin to go into my down cycle. I can be then begin to lessen the effect of it, lessen the effect of the depression. I can learn to try different coping skill. Me, I, I'm notorious for not talking to people about myself. Notorious for it. If you ask my good friends, they I have a dear friend in Vegas. And she gets so angry at me because she'll ask me something that's going on. I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is happening or this happened three months ago. And she goes, damn it, you never tell me anything. She goes, I always find out after the fact. She goes, if you you have a bad time, I always find out after the fact. As I go through and begin to look at my cycles, if I start to have thoughts of being, being depressed, upset about certain things in my life, bored, frustrated, feeling alone. And then I start to cycle that into into the feelings and it and it and it makes me feel frustrated. It makes me feel depressed. I feel uh, I shouldn't say it makes cuz these are feelings that I have, but I have feelings of of depression, I have feelings of sadness, I have feelings of loneliness, I have feelings of despair. The sooner I can start to catch those thoughts and feelings, the sooner I can make a decision of do I want to do what I've done in the past? that's never worked for me, Hmm. be it drug use, be it isolation, be it running away, or do I want to choose a behavior, a new coping skill that is going to work for me? So this might be a great opportunity for us to kind of segue into 
the latter part of the conversation, which is just a topic that where we would discuss on the phone. As I'm, I'm listening to you talk, what keeps coming? Damn, that's a lot of work. Damn, that's a lot of work. Um, <laughs> and but, but positively, because I've, I've, I guess I'm about to say I shouldn't pat myself on the back, but maybe I should. I've done. We should. Yeah, yeah. We, Take the compliment. Hey, damn it. <laughs> hey, it, hey. I've always said, and I've been saying this to kids since I first started working with them. And then, again, I, I also want to make sure that I reiterate everything I say here is based on my life experience. Mm-hmm. I've lived a lot. I'm, I'm 40 years old. I kind of been a gypsy my whole life in the sense that I, I move around. I work in, in different jobs with different people, but I observe a lot mm-hmm. and I, I enjoy studying things such as psychologies, uh, different forms of therapy, meditation, energy. I, I enjoy studying these things as well. But everything I talk about is is my opinion. Mm-hmm. But one thing I've always said from day one is a lot of lives, a, a lot of a lot of days, pretty much, I'm not even gonna say a lot of days, every day of our life, we can choose to either succeed or just survive it. Hmm. And some days life is kicking your ass harder than anything. Yeah. And you can't walk and you can't go around with a big smile on your face, laughing at all the jokes and and go out with friends and everything, you know, everything else. Those are the days you just need to survive it. Do what you need to do to get through the day. Okay. Other days you can succeed. Those are the days that you are achieving goals. You're feeling good. You're 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 happy to be at work. You're happy to see your friends. You're happy to go to the movies or go out and have a few drinks after work or go to dinner or go to the beach. Those those are your succeeding days. Mm-hmm. But when it really comes down to it, you have a choice. You you do have a choice. Is today a survival day or is today is a succeeding day? But either way, no matter what day it is you still pat yourself on the back at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think that I think that that might be scary for some people to hear because, you know, especially in those survival days, it, it almost implies that they will happen. Mm-hmm. And I feel that that is something that we don't really talk about a lot is that those days do occur even for maybe the most optimistic human being just because that is life. Yeah. So maybe you could share some tools and tips uh when you find yourself in that mode of survival um how do you how do you not stay in that space how can you bounce out of it well it's it's different for everyone for everyone right obviously yeah i think the key i think one of the key important things to think about and to realize where when you're in that position is that that famous phrase the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Right. When you, if you're finding yourself in days where you, more and more days where you are just trying to survive and get through, then something needs to change in what you're doing. And a lot of people would come down on this and think it's being harsh, but it's something you're doing that's not working. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not influences from 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 the outside. It's not your situation. It's not your environment. It's what you're doing. I know you and I have talked a lot about um, the book Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah. And Dr. Viktor Frankl mm-hmm. and his theory of the last ultimate freedom, mm-hmm. which is for people who haven't read the book, I highly recommend that that you do read it. Uh, but the last ultimate freedom is. 
you cannot always choose your environment, but you can choose your reaction to it. Yeah. Be it if you're in a situation where you don't have a lot of money, you don't have a lot of resources, you don't have a car, you can't escape, you can't. There's always something that you can do differently. And sometimes it's as simple as choosing to smile. Hmm. Just saying, you know what, for the next two minutes, I'm just, I'm going to smile. As a Russian person, that is really <laughs> difficult. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> but, it, but it's something as simple as that. It's as simple as taking a walk around the block. Yeah, yeah. It's a simple to 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 break you out of that for exactly. Something. Yeah, it just you need to be able to because your mind is a master at cycling the negative thoughts and feelings. Your mind is 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 better at that than probably anything else. Can I can I share something real quick? Yeah, I please. yesterday I got into this kind of I wasn't really an argument, but it was a kind of a heated exchange with my father and because as I'm processing a lot of the things that I'm going through and processing my pains as they specifically pertain to my relationship with him which I've written about I felt it was just you know with my self-awareness now I felt my body chemistry changing I just I felt hot I felt sweaty you know I went back into this kind of like animal mode and I in recognizing that what I usually would have done is just continued on that track and got, you know, until exhaustion probably. Mm -hmm. And I chose to remove myself from the situation and I walked away and went upstairs to my room and just laid on my back and put on a song that I really love and closed my eyes and just started breathing deeply. And within five minutes, all of that anxiety went away. You bring up an interesting point. As I said, you know, I, I studied meditation and energy i've been studying meditation now for uh seven you know a little over seven years now and i've been studying energy and not just energy when it you know when the kind of new age type of energy that's that's out there but also energy from a physics understanding uh -huh. energy on a subatomic level and how energy in our cells in the atoms that make up our cells can be influenced by thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. And as you said, when you were having this exchange with your father and you began to feel your body react to it, your yeah. cells in your body are reacting to that, to that energy that you're putting out through your emotions and thoughts. Mm -hmm. And it's causing, it's causing a change. And then you, you went ahead and, and, and altered it. Mm -hmm. You took that time out. You went and did a breathing exercise. And there's all kinds of breathing exercises. Lao Tzu taught some amazing breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. But you go and you took that time out and you were able to adjust and alter yeah. that energy that, that was affecting your body. And you yeah. made a change. And and, and you know what I was thinking more so now because in the research that I've done with an eating disorder and anorexia specifically, you know, oftentimes we talk about what the person looks on the outside, but really what's happening is your insides are dying. And so in that moment, I felt so bad for my organs. I thought, oh my God, if I'm, if I'm sweating and I'm hot and my body on the outside is is really kind of in this horrible fight or flight state. I can't even imagine what's going on inside. And, and that to me was a big, big moment of, wow, self-love. Mm -hmm. Not in the external way that I'm used to, 
but in the internal way of my poor everything that's going on inside um you know and i and i and i you know me but like in this moment as i say that i think oh what a weak individual <laughs> <laughs> but it's not it's not no. it's there's so much strength in that no there's you're absolutely right there's nothing weak in it mm-hmm. what's weak is not doing it i mean yeah. and, and and i compare a lot of it to going to the gym and you mm-hmm. and you and i've talked about this before when you go to the gym and you work out especially when you first start working out you're sitting there, you're looking at everybody else, you're like, oh my God, like I I look horrible. You know, mm-hmm. I'm only bench pressing a hundred pounds. Or, you know, I'm I'm I can do twenty minutes on the treadmill and then I'm just gassed. Right. But then you keep going to the gym and you get you get in better shape, you work out more, you feel better, you're able to, to do cardio longer, you're able to, to lift lift more weight. All these changes start taking place. Mental health whether you want to do it through therapy, whether you want to do it through through meditation, whether whatever way you choose to improve your mental health, it is the same thing. It takes daily practice. It takes daily work to achieve it. Now, we talk about like, oh my gosh, you know, I had to take a time out. That's so weak. Why couldn't I just handle it? Well, that's like saying, you know, somebody tr- who goes to the gym but can't lift as much weight as somebody else is really weak. And it's just pathetic. Right. That's not right. true. They're going to the gym. They're working out. They're they're bettering themselves. Yeah. You know, just because one guy can bench press 300 pounds and the other guy can bench press 150 pounds doesn't mean that one's one's pathetic. Right. And one's not. It means one's one's a little bit stronger than the other. And mental health is the same thing. There are certain people that. For example, what affects you may not affect me mm-hmm. and vice versa. We're each going to have individual strengths and that make us be able to handle cert- certain situations better than others. But then on the flip side, you're going to be able to handle stuff a lot better, a lot better than I can. It doesn't make me weak either. It just means that your strengths may be my weaknesses in the sense that I'm not as strong as you are. And then what I need to do is I need to focus in on those and strengthen those up a little bit more. doesn't make me a weak person, though. Right. And I think that all comes back to the, I guess, our uh, capability. No, it comes back to us sizing up one another and comparing and, and looking at others instead of inwards. And really the focus should be maybe on knowing yourself first. Well, I I think that should always be your focus because I don't think you ever truly know yourself. Mm. You know, Michael Jordan was considered to be the greatest basketball player of all time. But in my personal opinion, he competed against himself more than he did anybody else. Mm. He critiqued himself at a higher level than anybody else. Mm. You know, if he missed shots, he made sure he practiced that shot repeatedly repeatedly until he can make it with without thinking Hmm. and he was harder on himself than anybody else ever was and we are exactly the same thing is we are so hard on ourselves and we don't we don't realize the progress that that we make especially when it comes to mental health because we all we usually as people always remember the bad times a lot more so than the good. Mm-hmm. When I first when I first started in in mental health, I had a therapist tell me that you know for every correction you tell a child, you should try to say fifteen positive things to them. Wow. 
And it was because the child's going to remember that correction or that consequence way more right. than all the positive things. So you had to overcompensate. Yeah. So when talking to one of the kids, I would say, you know, you're doing such good here, here and here, but we're having an issue here. And I want to see you overcome this because you're doing so well in all these other ways. So I would kind of sandwich it in between. Right. You didn't want, especially somebody, a child who's, who's suffered from abuse or depression to allow that correction or consequence to really fester uh, yeah kind of... to, to just drown them drown them even they because it would because they already have all the negative thoughts we already have all the negative thoughts in our head and so we we need to make sure that we when we're working on our mental health that we are measuring it correctly we're measuring our progress correctly we do that through goals setting goals achieving goals planning for goals and we can talk about that another time because it, it's an in-depth conversation but we we make sure that we monitor the progress that we make in our mental health the same way we would as going to the gym. This week I ran for 20 minutes on the treadmill. Next week I'm going to run for 25. The week after I'm going to I'm going to run for 30 and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think for next time maybe that is something that we do. I, and I also think I I came up with a great title for this um and it's therapy with Mr. Kevin. <laughs> because <laughs> that Done that's how I feel yeah that's how I feel about it yeah let's let's just put this out into the universe and see how it does okay bye Mr. Kevin bye Elianka <laughs> bye next week we're going to come back with the original programming of tell your story podcast and our guest is going to be Melanie Collins usually I'm not supposed to say who the guest is going to be but I'm very excited about it I hope everyone's enjoying their holiday. As always, if you've enjoyed the conversation or you feel like you learned something, please share, please like, please add a comment, review, and let us know what you think. If you'd like for us to do another check back with Mr. Kevin. And uh, yeah, you can always reach me on email. You know where to find me, uf at theentitledfemaleproject.com. I'll see you next week. Bye.